Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Scotsman's Deals podcast with me, your host, Rosemary Gallagher. In this deals programme, we're looking at how investments have been shaping up in Scotland so far this year. Despite economic and political headwinds, such as the ongoing conflict in Ukraine and looming threat of recession in the UK, there seems to be an air of cautious optimism among Scotland's investment community. We'll also be looking at what lies ahead in the coming months when it comes to deals and investments across the country. We're joined by two experts, one from Business Services Group AAB and one from law firm Bodies LLP. They are Gordon Steele, Partner and Head of Deals at AAB's Corporate Finance Team and David Lightbody, Corporate Partner at Bodies. They'll be offering their insight on investments in deals, including where money is coming from and what sectors in Scotland are proving most resilient in turbulent times. This podcast is produced as part of a paid sponsorship with Brodies and AEB. Hello, Gordon and David, and thanks for your time today to talk about deals and investments in Scotland. Could you both please start by introducing yourselves? Uh, yeah, good morning. I'm David Lightbody. I'm a partner in the corporate team at Brodies LLP, uh, and my practice is helping all sorts of people with M&A and investments, and that's really everybody from the earliest stage, high growth companies through owner-managed businesses and right up to PLCs. Thank you, David. And Gordon? Yes, good morning. Gordon Steele, one of the partners at AAB, and my principal role is corporate finance partner, and that um, entails um, helping businesses with a mainstream M&A projects, uh, buy site, sell site, due diligence, valuations, investment appraisal, and everything from fairly small businesses up to um, more mature businesses where deal sizes are in the hundreds of millions. So today for the Deals podcast, we're looking at um, investment activity in Scotland in the year so far. The focus on the first six months, but also now looking to the third quarter as well, and also then looking at what, what lies ahead. So perhaps um, you could tell me how you think economic and political uncertainty has impacted deals and investment in Scotland so far this year? What we've experienced certainly at Brodie's um, is a very busy summer of deal activity and actually in the first half of the year um, we set new records for deal numbers um, both in terms of volume and value uh, and that runs counter slightly to what you might take from the messages in the media about doom and gloom and I know there are direct impacts on individuals um, in terms of cost of living crisis and so on but in terms of M&A activity it's been a, actually quite a positive picture I think there's a couple of stories possibly to pull out of that firstly you've got I think we're continuing to sort of unwind the backlog of deals that were paused or stalled during the COVID pandemic so there's 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 plenty of deals that have to happen but were paused either because like, meeting of minds couldn't be reached on valuations while there was, you know, during the pandemic, nobody could tell what the outcome for any particular business was going to be. Um, so if nothing else, we've at least had a period of more normal trading for businesses with people back to be able to go and use services and so on. And I think the second story which has allowed us to have that sustained activity, certainly over the summer, has been a weaker pound. Um, and that's driven activity in particular from overseas buyers and investors. And um, we've seen a lot from the US um, who have been particularly well placed 
to benefit from the exchange rate uh, and come and pick up quality assets in the UK and actually Europe more widely. So we've seen a lot of activity coming from that source in particular. Okay, thank you, David. And Gordon, how would you reflect on the year so far? Yeah, in terms of what we've seen in our firm and I suppose the wider market is that notwithstanding um, you know, the challenges that we are facing and um, I suppose issues such like you know, the Ukrainian, um, Russian Ukrainian situation, this first half of the year has been particularly busy, um, but I would suggest that quite a lot of those deals that's happened in the first six, six months of the year were being talked about and terms agreed and negotiated this time last year. And quite a lot of those deals have just went through the transaction sort of completion, due diligence completion phase. Um, and for a number of those businesses, the impact of you know, what we're experiencing as a, as a country and economy wasn't felt. Um, however, the next six months a year are certainly looking more challenging, for sure. And you know, what, we're, what we're seeing in terms of definitely buyers is, and investors is actually the fiscal policy um, that the government's going to roll out certainly influencing transactions and I guess relatively simple things like you know tax policy impact on earnings cash flow payback and investments um, also elements like budgets for government agencies how are they going to pan out you know are they going to cut back and what does that do to the supply chain and impact on you know the, the businesses they're supplying into these large government agencies David, what would you highlight as, as the key challenges so far that um, investors and companies looking for investment and advisors have had to deal with? Well, as I say, I think we, we've seen continued strong activity. I think that maybe the one blip we had was in October just past, where that I suppose that was a sort of peak of political and fiscal uncertainty in the UK, certainly. Um, in particular in relation to how that was going to impact on interest rates and the cost of borrowing and financing deals. Um, and actually the look forward for that, so what was the picture for the next 12 to 18 months? And if there's one thing investors don't like, it's, it's not having sight of the cost of dealing and how the return's going to, going to stack up. Um, so you know, during that month, we, we did see a couple of processes stall with parties unwilling really to, to lock in uh, borrowing rates when there was that degree of volatility um, but we've seen that unblock itself subsequently we've got our new prime minister installed um, we've got the signaling on the change of direction of fiscal policy so it does feel like although it's a new normal yet another new normal uh, there's at least some stability now um, so I think it's you know to the degree we've had uh, projects uh, delayed or, or, or shelved, some of those will come back online, I would expect, and people are getting going with those again because, yes, it might be different, but at least we can start to predict a bit better what the future might look like. Gordon, um, you've mentioned challenges already, so in terms of um, opportunities, because obviously deals and investments have continued to happen and some sectors have been very strong, where have you identified the main opportunities and what are your clients seeing in terms of um, positive things happening in the market? Yeah, I think definitely 
companies looking to secure investment. And David mentioned touching this briefly. I think the weakness of the pound against the dollar um, has certainly made UK businesses look particularly attractive for US um, buyers and perhaps even looking cheap. Um, and although, as we know, the increase in the oil and gas price has created significant challenges for businesses with um, high cost bases and capital intensive, definitely in the energy sector, we've seen um, a large number of oil and gas assets exchanging hands and a lot of the large majors and international companies offloading assets with obviously turning their focus to reinvesting in renewable energy projects. Um, I think the increased emphasis on energy security and focus on renewable energy, sustainable energy assets has certainly helped that um, supply chain and hopefully given a you know, a large number of these businesses, you know, visibility of projects coming on stream and a real impetus to move these forward particularly quickly. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. And David, have you seen similar opportunities speaking to your clients and the markets in which you operate and the sectors that you, you focus on? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd echo that, that sentiment in relation to the, the oil and gas market. Certainly, we've been supporting clients throughout the supply chain and the, the, the energy price has, has supported the resurgence in that area. Uh, and I think, you know, with one eye to the future and net zero, a lot of the investment activity in that <coughs> sector that we've seen is being shifted towards energy transition. And that's that's because there's going to be, certainly in the, in the wake of COP27, we're going to see a, a greater degree of policy shifting that way, I think. Uh, certainly in the mid to longer term. So there, there's one eye on making sure that uh, we're getting in early on, on that sort of thing. Uh, we, we talked about the exchange rate. I think the other sort of factors, the, the, the positive factors driving activity are we still have private equity with a huge amount of cash stacked up and looking for a home. Um, and we've seen in the US at least the, the inflation rate start to start to draw back. Uh, but they're still running at sort of record levels. So that makes holding cash even more unattractive. And so there is a, there's an impetus to, to, to deploy cash and make sure you're, you're earning an inflation beating returns if you can, um, or, or, or not losing at that rate. So uh, there are certainly uh, push factors making that are driving activity, but as I say, it's favoring overseas buyers and investors uh, and there are the opportunities if you've if you're you know to hunt in that pool you will there are opportunities for exits uh, and investment okay thanks david you mentioned money coming from the us there international money um could you and gordon talk a bit more about where money is coming from as well as the us and is it mainly private equity or um, trade deals still being done just where is the where is the money most available would you say for deals we're certainly seeing a large number of trade players who have significant cash reserves on their balance sheet to deploy and no real debt in their balance sheet and you, they need to 
um, deploy that capital to, um, I suppose, continue to provide their shareholders with the returns and also, I suppose, develop and grow their business um, and sometimes diversify their businesses. I, I David, in terms of these private equity firms, you know, typically these funds are 10 year funds and you know, again, typically five years of investment and five years of harvest and therefore across the world, you know, there are several hundreds of these private equity funds with substantial amounts of money in them and they're all at different stages, but at any one point in time, there's certainly a large amount of funds looking for investment opportunities, which um, is extremely encouraging and help, helps drive deals for sure. You're listening to the latest episode of the Scotsman's Deals podcast, delivered in partnership with AAB and Brodie's. We're joined today by AAB's Gordon Steele and Brodie's David Lightbody. We'll now look a bit more at the reasons why international investors are interested in Scottish companies. And why do you think international money is interested in Scottish companies? What is, what is the main attractions of Scottish businesses, perhaps? David, if you can maybe answer that first. I, I think certainly somewhere, a centre where we've seen a huge amount of activity and, it, and it's Scotland but also the wider UK and we're increasingly getting involved in multi-jurisdictional deals that, that are pulling in other European jurisdictions um, is the software sector and Scotland actually punches above its weight it's just an example um, Europe generally I think has, has become cheap for the US if we look at software in particular you know valuations and the opportunities and homes for for money at sensible prices in Silicon Valley I think has been squeezed so there are a number of US tech focused private equity firms who are, are looking further afield and the software is one of those things that really is it, it, it's a global it, it doesn't it transcends borders so if it's a solution to a problem it, it, the chances are it's a global problem and it doesn't really matter where you sit um, Scotland's been very good, I think, at developing those sectors and software is just one, renewables is another, both in the sort of mature end of that sector and, and, and on the innovative side as well. Um, so I think Scotland's attractive because it has these things to offer. It has uh, the answers to some of the global challenges that we're facing um, and there's plenty of young companies looking for growth capital. Gordon, any other sectors? Obviously, um, David's mentioned software and various other set renewables. Is there any other areas you're seeing particular interest from international and UK investors in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, what we are seeing from an, an investor perspective, certainly businesses that have got a high degree of recurring and predictable income, such as subscription models, compliance-based services, and that certainly plays into technology businesses. And that's, we're seeing um, a huge amount of appetite, like David said, for technology business, everything from early stage, disruptive technology, right through to much more mature IT services businesses, including um, software and communication businesses inside in between. And certainly the, I guess what you call the SaaS based model software as a service, 
um, is particularly attractive for investors where there's a recurring, um, hopefully medium to long term customer base and the software is mission critical to their customers. Um, definitely investment into renewable energy or businesses that have exposure to, I suppose, what I call the blue economy, um, marine renewables, telecoms and other offshore industries uh, are seeing a lot of inbound interest. Which... Are, there, are there any deals in particular you'd like to highlight in terms of companies attracting investment, illustrate the trends and what companies are attractive? Um, I suppose one one transaction that I was involved in earlier in the year and it closed just, just at the turn of the year is a business I've been involved with um, for, for over 10 years, but it's a business called Subsea Technology and Rentals and it's an offshore rental um, business and uh, my clients bought that business just, just under 11 years ago and it was based in Great Yarmouth and it was one of the businesses that on the face of it looked like an oil and gas service business but actually a large part of that business was supplying the, the off, offshore renewables industry and our clients over 10 years through that business tenfold probably invested uh, reinvested retained profits and cash flow of over 30 million and earlier this year well during um, 2021 we introduced a um, management buying candidate for succession planning and to help the business take it to the next level who's now CEO and we were able to secure um, support and investment from Baird Capital which is a large US and international private equity fund and they see the the potential in that business which was extremely um, robust during COVID and continues to grow. Thank you, Gordon, for that example. Um, David, is there anything you would like to highlight in terms of deals done recently? Yeah, it's in a similar vein. It's you know the successful businesses we've seen are, are those that had some sort of <coughs> position that insulated them from the worst effects of COVID and into the the uncertainty that we're seeing at the moment. Um, we've supported a company called Orbital Marine Power. Um, who over the course of 20 years have been developing uh, a, a new way of harvesting tidal power and generating electricity and it's a patented approach um, and that's been something that it's been ongoing they've raised round after round of capital because it, this has been identified as one of the solutions to, to a global problem so at the end of the day if this works it becomes a solution that's globally scalable um, potentially very high return for investors. So they've done a number of rounds, including um, crowdfunding, but also a public offer of debentures, and we've supported them uh, on their, their first round of that, which was a construction bond in 2019. And that was refinanced this year with an oversubscribed offering through the Abundance platform, um, which focuses on, on green tech and ethical investments. Uh, so I, I think it's just it, it, it highlights that there are homes and there are people with the appetite to invest in these sectors in particular, um, where there's a couple of angles to it, one of which is that it's a good thing to do, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a potentially very sound financial play and that it, uh, it would potentially have something that 
is is an answer to a global problem which is forefront of minds at the moment. Okay, thanks, David and Gordon. It sounds like the year to date has been fairly positive despite the headwinds and it's been interesting deals being done. Um, looking ahead, what's your outlook for deals and investment in Scotland? Also, there's been warnings of the longest recession ever on the cards and um, various other challenges ahead. So how do you think things might shape up in the coming months? From my perspective, I'm cautiously optimistic. And the reason for that is, notwithstanding the challenges that we're facing as a country, there still remains plenty of shareholders out there who are looking to sell their business and monetize their investment. And you know, as we said earlier on, there's certainly plenty of equity capital in, in the markets and trade players with cash. Um, the, the, the big challenge will be how we structure these deals to get them across the line. And this time last year, the challenge was actually trying to dial out the impact of COVID on companies' numbers to try and look at an underlying um, maintainable um, earnings basis. Now we're trying to dial out COVID and then trying to understand the impact on businesses such like increased wage inflation, shortage of labour, um, increased utility costs. You know, there's quite a few things on that list. And then looking at the, the top line income stream and looking at the customer base behind the business and you know how has that been influenced um, or impacted by the uh, current climate. But that said, I think businesses during COVID and continue to be pretty robust. Clearly there are sectors who are suffering um, more than others, which is really unfortunate, but we've got management teams, leadership teams, business owners who are very focused on their cost base and um, who are, have got good product services. I'd like to think they'll, they'll come through relatively unscathed and be in a position to do transactions. So Gordon's cautiously optimistic. Um, David, what's your outlook for the, for the coming months? I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, nobody wants to understate that the next year or two is going to be very difficult for for individuals and businesses. And I, I don't, I find it hard to see any business that's going to be untouched um, by by the sort of headwinds, um, increased costs, inflation, energy costs, and and the consumer pocket being directly hit. Um, but at the end of the day, you know. The business life cycle has to go on. There are people who will need to sell. There are funds who need to invest money, make a return, and get money back to uh, their shareholders. Um, I think one thing possibly that's come out of the, the COVID pandemic is that we have businesses now at least able to demonstrate on a more normal basis what what the, the figures are, as what Gordon alluded to, um, trying to work out the impact of all these things. If anything, I would see there may be, uh, I suspect there will be pressure on valuations. Uh, but once we get a bit of a better view on what the landscape is, what the political landscape is, whether the war in Ukraine is, is a long-term 
um, feature of the landscape and um, where inflationary pressures go, I think you'll find that it becomes easier for there to be a meeting of minds on values and that will allow deal activity to get back to normal. Um, whether that settles at a lower value remains to be seen and maybe the cost of doing deals is higher and, and valuations are, are lower. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I suspect we'll reach a new equilibrium once all of that becomes clearer. Thank you, David. Um, as we approach the end of our conversation today, is there any advice both we'd like to give to investors, and um, potential investors and companies looking for investment in this time of uncertainty? It's the old, the, the gems basically of, I mean, certainly from a legal perspective, we would encourage people to have, make sure you have the building blocks in place, identify the fundamentals of your business, because ultimately that's, that's what an investor is going to look at. And in that, I would include things like your intellectual property, if that's the basis of your business, your people or your contracts. Uh, be proactive and able to show that you have a strategy, that you recognise the challenges that are going to face us, us all in the coming months and years, but that you've got a contingency plan and some degree of resilience and, and, and ability to, to ride out rough weather. Because uh, I think investors will will value that, people who are realistic, but, but have a plan. Uh, and I would say all, also remember that investors back people as much as anything. Uh, so it's about understanding, showing investors that as a management team, you are aware of the challenges and well-placed and able to, to, to weather those. From my perspective, and this is probably both for, I suppose, founders, um, shareholders, all developing businesses, but also investors. Is that businesses can't survive in development, development stage forever, and having a real focus on commercialization of technology, product, services, whatever they are, and getting the business the revenue generating as soon as possible um, has to be one of the main focuses. And I know that sounds a little bit like common sense, but I do see you know, a large number of businesses out there being fortunate enough to secure significant grants, which has really pushed their business forward. However, there's been too much focus on securing the grants and spending the money rather than taking the product to market. Um, I think the other thing is looking at the addressable market, which a business is um, looking to put its um, product into, is it big enough to build a business of scale or is it just too niche? Um, as David's touched on, management leadership team, are they good enough to take the business through commercialization and, and build a business of scale and value? And if they're not, then address that problem head on. And I know that can be a particularly thorny issue if, if there's founders and such like in place. Um, and a couple of other things is trying to avoid businesses that are one-trick ponies. I do occasionally see businesses that are so niche and so focused in one problem that have a relatively small addressable market and just haven't opened themselves out to a wider range of products and services. So something that's a business that's got a, a wider range of products and services hopefully will weather that storm 
and from an investor's perspective, certainly focusing quality rather than quantity of opportunities. Thank you to Gordon Steele of AAB and David Lightbody of Bodies for their insights on deals and investments in Scotland. I'm your host, Rosemary Gallagher, and you've been listening to the latest episode of the Scotsman Deals podcast, brought to you in partnership with Brodies and AAB. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And you can leave your feedback by tweeting at the Scotsman or emailing podcasts at scotsman.com. Music